Nation, welcome back to the Nothing But Bull podcast. I'm your host, Derek, and as always, we're here with my main man, Justin. Justin, what's going on? Not much, man. Just uh, trying to ride the wave with this uh, virus that's been going around, but everything else has been pretty good. Everything else, unless you are (laughs) the Bulls and the six to eight week gang. (laughs) Because we have several players now that are out six to eight weeks. Yeah, is this the time um, that we wish COVID on people? Like, team? <laughs> like, can we just switch out these injuries for COVID? Uh, <laughs> because if everybody's vaccinated, that means they'll be back in, what, five days or something like that? Whatever. <laughs> We've gone from 10 days, now it's down to five days, so... Uh, you got a mask on, you can get on the court. We'll just take you. Just get on the court. <laughs> Go up to work. I don't know, man. It's, um, yeah, this this injury situation. Pretty chaotic. For the Bulls, to say the least. Yeah, especially now that our best two defenders are out six to eight weeks. Um, Lonzo has a slightly torn meniscus and has to get surgery, uh, which is supposed to be sometime this week. And Alex Caruso has a fractured wrist. Surgery Monday said everything went good. He's out six to eight weeks. And, you know, he was injured on a dirty by, of course, Grayson Allen, who has a history of doing that. Yeah, um, I don't even know if I just say it's a dirty play. Because, like, when you think of, like, dirty players, like, usually it's, like, somebody who, like, thinking back to what he's done this year, um, you know, he had, like, not just this year, but just, like, in general, and his NBA like career, because I, I I really thought about this a lot, and I'm like, in his NBA career, you can't necessarily say that he's been known as a dirty player. Um, so I wouldn't call him a dirty player, and it makes me wonder, like, should I even call it a dirty play, or is it just what we all saw was just a stupid play? Um, and w- what I mean by that is when this thing happened. I texted you that normally when guys have like an open basket going to the lane, it's pretty much a general consensus among all NBA players that either you foul the guy, not hard, but you foul the guy or you just let him score. Like you remember me sending you that text? Yep. And you know, I think that players, and it's not anything that, you know, the league has said or even really general managers have said between each other or even coaches among each other. I think for the most part, players have looked at it and said, you know what? 
all of us are trying to make some money in this league. No one really hates anybody in this league because this isn't going back to like the Bulls Pistons rivalries in the past or even the Lakers and the Celtics in the past. Nobody really hates anybody in this league. Everybody's buddy buddy. All players move around, you know. So it's it's in the best interest of everybody in today's league that you just get along. So, you know, from what I've seen, from what the players' reactions are when there is that un, that a can't stop. It's either like a small foul or you just let the guy score. And looking at it like just from that standpoint, I'll say that it's just a stupid play. Because when you see him do something like that, he has to consider his other teammates. Next time Giannis is on a fast break or he's going open to the to the rim, you know, are you going to be so happy if a player fouls somebody like Giannis and he has to go out for an extended amount of time? I, I remember talking to you about this with Chris Middleton and how he texted out, oh, there was nothing wrong with the play. And I'm thinking, no, it's a stupid play. And you should tell your teammate that this is a stupid play, not because of what happened to the other team, but because of what could potentially happen if other people were doing that to other players in the league. Protect themselves as players because they're part of the product of the NBA. So, you know, I if this had happened in college, I would have just said, you know, Allen is just a dirty player because that's what he's been known for in college in professional in his professional career. I haven't really seen that from him. So as angry as I was and as much as I, you know, yelled at my TV once I was watching that play over and over and considering everything that happened in the Bulls season. Yeah, I was calling him a dirty player. But I've gone to the thought process of maybe he's just a stupid player. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still going, but he, he, he is a dirty player. It dates back to college. He's had some other dirty plays in the NBA. And this was just like the latest. I mean, if you're going up and you have intent on the ball, it's a hard foul. Okay, I could say it was a stupid foul because of where he was coming from and Caruso being in the air. But he grabbed his arm and yanked it down, which caused him to fall on his wrist and fracture it. It wasn't like he just fell sideways because he went up and doing a stupid play. He had the man's arm and pulled it down. And then, like, swipe with his other arm. That's a dirty play. It's no way around that. Well, look, I'm not trying to, like, you know, I I don't want anybody listening to this to think that I'm in any way uh, taking uh, Grayson Allen's side by any means. My thought process is, okay, just breaking down the play in general. In the split-second decision, if you're breaking it down, like they they did like, you know, just like a slow motion, still by still by still of what was happening. And my thought process is in that millisecond of him going up and fouling him, I don't know if Grayson Allen is able to register 
let me do something dirty here. There's, there's been a couple of plays I've seen, and I can't think of it who in general, where guys were just totally beat off the dribble. And instead of them fouling the guy, they like intentionally put their leg out to trip the guy. Like that to me, like, yeah, I can see your thought process of I'm just going to trip this guy. And if he hurts himself, then whatever. I don't know in that millisecond if Grayson Allen is able to register what it is that he's doing. Just going from the amount of time from when he fouls the guy intentionally to, and when I say intentionally, I just mean just the standard foul to also the split second decision of like raking him and pulling him down. That's what I'm trying to like rationalize inside of my brain. Again, I don't want anybody saying like, hey, uh, why are you taking his side? I'm not. I thought it was a, just an egregious, stupid play on his part. But like, and you might have a point. I'm just going from my standpoint of I haven't seen him do things like that in the NBA. Part of the reason why I haven't, I think I haven't seen him do things like that in the NBA is because, I mean, let's face it. Like if you did do something like that and you were known for it, you know, there's a good chance that one of those guys who's like twice your size is going to clock you in the face. So that's my thought process. I'm not taking his side, but I'm just trying to explain to everybody what my thinking is. Yeah, I, I think he, he knew what he was doing. I think he knew it as soon as he went up that he was going to do something. Because that's just type, the type of person that he's shown that he is in the past. Well, I mean, we see it from... I'm not saying that I'm right, and I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just, I think we just see it from two totally different perspectives. Um, one thing I will say, and, you know, it sucks with these injuries. It really does. And it's coming at a time where the team was really starting to learn and figure out each other's roles and how to um, um, but, but I think back to those um Bulls teams in the past and why it is that we love them so much. We love them not just because Scotty and Michael and all of the other, like Rodman, all of the other guys were great players. We love them because of the journey that they went on. Great players to become great champions. Um, and I don't know about you, but I look at like these teams where stars are just you know, coming together and it's just, okay, we're going to come together and we're going to just try to go for a championship. I don't know about you, but I don't remember or look at those teams as teams that I'm going to think about past that particular year, because there's nothing to really say about their journey. When we look at the Bulls journeys from the past, you know, they were getting beat down physically by the Detroit Pistons. And it was something that they had to physically and mentally overcome. When we look at even when they did overcome the beatings that they had to take going up against the Knicks, it was something that they had to overcome. Uh, these other teams that are just, you know, um, putting together squads like it's, you know, a baking set, like, you know, add water and mix. There's not, that's not, to me, there's not a whole bunch of substance. If the Bulls are able to look at what their injuries are 
and able to come together and able to still get to where they intend to get to, I think that this will be, be even an, an even better story than what we thought initially. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, already going through it with trying to overcome these injuries, uh, overcoming COVID. DeMar DeRozan having an MVP caliber season. Yeah. So there's there's already that type of story. Because, I mean, think about, think about it. Before, when, when this team had a whole bunch of injuries, we were relying on players like Markinen and Wendell. When are they ever going to be good? Well, we, we already know the answer to that question. They're not going to be healthy. They're not even on the team anymore. Um, and now you look at the fact that, you know, we have this group of, of players. And, you know, for the most part, I'm not necessarily worried about what the cohesion is going to be coming back. You have a lot of guys who played, you know, of course, this team hasn't played fully together throughout the year. But a lot of guys seem to really understand what their roles were. And we saw that when when guys got back in the lineup, it's not like they were trying to do anything that was outside of their realm. Um, you, st- you still saw guys who were staying in their lane, um, who were just energy guys, guys who were run after rebounds. Rebound. You didn't see, you know, guys trying to take on a role that that wasn't something that they were really suited for and that helped this team. I, I see a lot of guys emerging into roles. Uh, because of the opportunities that have been given them, like with AO, and I know we'll talk about that a little bit later. But the main thing that I am focused on, even with Lonzo being out and with Caruso and, and um, with Derek Jones being out, main thing that I'm focused on is, is P. Will going to be able to come back this year and add something to this team? Or... Is he just going to be out for the entire season? I think that that is the major thing that's facing this Bulls team. But as far as the other guys, we know what they're capable of doing when they step out on the court. Yeah. Um, a report just came out today uh, from Joe Crowley. Of course, nobody likes him, but <laughs> he's not a bad source of information. And the report pretty much said that there is growing optimism that P. Will will be back in time to play regular season games before the playoffs. Well, that's That's great. I I haven't heard anything about that. You know, I I thought it was kind of like a more of a wait and see kind of thing. But, you know, if that's a growing consensus, there must be something that he's doing in his development that they're noticing and maybe they're not giving us all of the information, but there must be something that's going on with him to make, um, for him to make that kind of statement, something that he's noticed either from the team or, you know, just in general. Yeah. Well, I always thought that he'd probably be back like mid March. Um, Cause if you looked at him on the bench, he's gone from that hard cast to like a removable brace and, he doesn't have to wear the brace all the time. So that's a clear sign like that that wrist is 
properly or at least along the lines of how they thought it would heal with the uh, four to eight months um I mean the four to six month timeline um four putting in February six putting them in April so they're saying you know you come back and play some regular season games I'm thinking like mid March or early April he should be back yeah man and I, I was going through like timelines on Twitter which I don't <laughs> you sent me that um that um that that was something that you noticed before when you uh, communicated to me. And I think you were probably like the first one to point that out, that he wasn't wearing a, any type of cast over that, that wrist area. I couldn't find any mention of it until other people after you have said it like hours later. Um, but I didn't see anybody else who had mentioned that. So that, that was a good pickup by you. Yeah. That, that came from uh no, man. See, um, once you have the credit, just take the credit. Don't attribute <laughs> it to somebody else. No, I, I, I'm saying um, <laughs> that came from me uh, doing the Bulls Discord. I always upload like the team pictures, and I just noticed in the pictures, like he had a, it was a picture of him on the bench, and I saw that he had a brace on. So. <laughs> that's why I tweeted out like, hey, he he doesn't have a cast on anymore. I don't know if anybody's noticed from this picture. And then there's another picture of him like they were going on a road trip and he was on his way to the team plane and he had nothing on his wrist. So I tweeted that picture out like, hey, uh, <laughs> he's, his wrist seems to be healing good. Oh, okay. So that, that's my bad. I thought you were trying to be humble and be like, oh, okay. I was talking to some other people and we all noticed it, but I have to give credit to somebody else. Like, I thought that's where you were going with it. That's my poor listening skills as a teacher <laughs> that I'm using in our conversation right now. But uh, yeah, you were, you were definitely spot on with noticing that. And so, Daniel, that's an encouraging um, sign of for, you know, getting P. Will back, uh, which could be like huge, I think, especially for uh, Vooch. Yes. Um, as much as I have um, really gotten on Vooch, and you, you know how much I have just had my highs and lows with wanting him to be traded and just praising him for his all star efforts. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I think, you know, if if P. Will is able to come back um, and is able to spread the floor even more, I think you'll see a lot of more um, opportunities for Booch around the basket. And I'm not saying that Booch can't get his shot back, but at this point, like, we don't need him shooting three-pointers. We need his six-foot-10, 250-something-pound body down low but there 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 can be some traffic down there which i think having somebody like p will who has improved his shot um even when he just showed glimpses when he was on the court this year you could see that um that shot was pretty steady um and i think that that would open up uh, plus also being able to have another guy out there who can play a true um four position would only help Booch and obviously other guys out because he can he can guard one through four. So 
you know, if he can get out there and find a role on this team for this year, that that I think is more of the focus that this team uh, will be looking at. Like how how can we get him ready and prepared for this year and for come playoff time? Um, the other injuries are big injuries, but we still don't know also what can happen at the trade deadline. There's there's lots of different moves that the Bulls can make. They can go in different directions. Um, so we'll just see. Yeah, um, my thing, Vooch, is I think he's being asked to do a lot because he's, like, our only big. <laughs> like, he's playing yes. next to, like, a 6'3 guard who's playing the power forward spot. So he's, like, the only real big man out there to, you know, back to the basket big, passing big, uh, defensive big. He's being asked to do all of this, which is kind of amplifying a bit of his weaknesses on defense. Um, but he's been giving, like, and because of that, his shots have been short, and that's normally a sign of, like, tired or not having your legs under you because you've been exerting yourself doing other things on the court. I think that's a lot of what's wrong with Booch's shot most games. They're they're just short because he's being asked to do a lot. And, you know, having P. Will back there who can cover for him more defensively and he doesn't have to be, like, the only big man out on the floor, even though P. Will's only, what, like 6'9"? That's still six inches taller than uh, Javante Green being next to Booch. Yeah, and the thing is, is that um, P. Will, he has the body type to do like, so many different things on that court. Um, if it's just guarding guys, um, you know, drawing other guys away, like you said, that, that that's going to, it'll take a lot of pressure off of Vooch, and it'll take some pressure off of um, DeMar and off, out of Zach. You see that. When Caruso is not in there, when Ball is not in there, they're de- and when um, Derek Jones Jr. is not in there, their defense struggles a lot. I mean, thank goodness we have uh, Javante back there. Um, and you mentioned him being six foot three and, and playing the power forward position. Like, I never thought that the Bulls would be in this situation where they see the guy who's six foot guy against guys who like have like almost seven inches on him on some nights, but he's doing an admirable job, admirable job with him being back with the injury issues. Um, you no, know, he's playing a part. It, it's not perfect. And, and that's the thing that I, I think a lot of Bulls fans have to take into account. There are so many issues around this league. Um, the team that we're going to be contenders they're having to deal with like you see like the Nets situation when there's no when one of those guys is missing um durant or or um irving or harden it's an issue because with the three of them there yeah they could put up a whole lot of points but there's not going to be a lot of defense going on with two of those guys there there's going to be still points that are there but they don't have anybody on their on their um 
their roster who can guard anybody defensively. Same thing with the Lakers. Same, and you know, there's other issues that are going on a, as well with other teams. So it's not going to be a perfect situation. We shouldn't feel bad about the situation that it, we're in, but we're not as destitute. In years past, whereas if one guy goes down, then you know, it's the the season is completely lost. Well, when I opened up my Twitter page this morning, um. I saw like a bunch of people who were just losing their minds. And I was like, oh, crap. Did I miss some? Did Levine get hurt again? And, you know, that's when I found out it was uh, Derek Jones Jr. So <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay. I can, I can, I can climb down from the ceiling. I, I, I'm not so stressed. I'm, I'm still looking at the situation. I'm like, this sucks. It's not a great situation to be in. But, um, you know, we still have three of the top scorers on this team. And a lot of teams can't say that. You know, we still have very competent guard play. A lot of teams can't say that. Um, and we we have somewhat of a bench that we can deal with. Like, And I hate to put so much stress on what AO has been doing because he's been fantastic playing from the bench and then going into the starting lineup. But there's still parts that are being maximized and being being used fairly well. And we're getting a lot of different unexpected things from players. Um, I, can't, I, I know at some point you're probably going to want to transition to talking about AO, which I can't wait to do. But, you know, guys are picking up the slack. Uh, it sucks that White it seems to be going through a slump, which is kind of be, to be expected because he hasn't played that much you know, for a very long time and there's going to be ups and downs with his play. So it's not dire with what we're dealing with. It's just something that they're going to have to deal with. That's going to make the story that much better when these pieces come back together. Right. Um, if, <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen the um, people on Twitter going crazy. Like, oh, not another injury. This team's cursed. <laughs> yeah, I was like, and, what? <laughs> I, I seriously thought, what happened to Levine? What happened to DeRozan? Because I'm following a whole bunch of people, like I'm having to scroll down and try to figure out what in the world is going on. But, you know, once once I was able to get through that barrage of just crying emojis, um, you know, it was it was it was a lot cooler to deal with. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I knew it was um, Jones last night. Um, I think it was around 10, 11 o'clock that the notification came out. Um, he, you know, he was trying to ramp up his activity to come back from the bone bruise, um, which was two to four weeks. I think he would have been returning like right around Valentine's Day um, and fractured his index finger somehow. Um what was he doing though? Like, I, I heard about the fractured index finger, but I'm like, what could you possibly have been doing? Because he wasn't doing anything jumping wise because his leg was injured, correct? Yeah. Uh, okay, so it must have been lifting some weights of some kind. That's what I assume. Like, he was lifting weights and somehow fractured his finger. Like, oh, another thing is, like, Okay, you've seen Derek Jones Jr. and his body type, right? Yeah. Okay, so like 
what was he doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to make a joke out of anything, but what was he doing in the gym that he wasn't supposed to be doing is what I'm trying to figure out. But I, I have no <laughs> Um, all I know is now that he he's joined the six to eight week gang, and well, they say he could come back earlier with a protective splint. Um, I really didn't think the injury. I don't think he was making it on this team past the deadline anyway. Really, you thought that they were going to let him go? Yeah, I think he's going to be part of uh, a trade, whether it's a big or a small trade. Um, he has an expiring contract, and it's only about nine mil that comes off the books after the end of this season. So I, I, I don't think he was going to be here that much longer anyway. So that's interesting because I thought that as lean as they were, um, not in the forward position because they, they have a couple of different forwards that they work with, with um, uh, McKinney, and with uh, your boy, Troy Brown, um, <laughs> that you love so much. Um, I yeah. do not love Troy Brown. <laughs> and he is a small Ford. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying, like, they, they seem to have a bunch of um, small. I, I thought that with, um, with Derek Jones is, like, what he affords, he's – offering more kind of rim protection um i don't see him like i when i'm looking at his athletic ability and his ability to just get up and kind of block shots i thought that they would have had him on this team because you know just realistically looking around the league it's not like there's that many competent fours that i think would add that much to what this bulls team wants to do um and they're they are somewhat half court with DeRozan with Booch. But this is a team, like as far as I could see, when you had a healthy roster, a team that just wanted to get out and run and just kind of let their athletic guys just, you know, try to get lobs or putbacks and that sort of thing. So it's interesting with you saying, you know, you thought he'd be I, I couldn't. I was trying to look around the league to see who they could pro- possibly be looking at, and um, I didn't really come up with that many options. That I was like, okay, that's going to be much better than what they have right now. That they could feasibly get. Oh, so with this front office, I I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't yeah, know see, that's the thing. At. <laughs> I don't know. They'll find somebody, you know, but um. Yeah, you never know with what's going on with this front office. You know that they're working hard. They have something up their sleeve. They're not going to let anybody else be privy to that. But whatever Whatever is going on, I'm I'm saying if you had this, like let's say the old front office had this roster, was able to somehow like just have all of the things that Acme has provided. Would your trust be in them to get it right with this type of situation with people being injured? No. No. (laughs) So, you know, we're not looking down that scenario playing out. We're looking at a scenario with some competent people in charge who know what they're doing. Um, So, yeah, I, I don't, I have issues with what, 
going on with this team. I don't have any issues with the people making the decisions to make the team better. It's like he's like one of our best tradable assets because it's an expiring contract. Um, yeah, you know we get we can also get rid of that uh, Portland protected first round pick, um, which you know we were hoping that it was going to seem like <laughs> we were going to get it this year, but I don't know if I, with how Portland is doing um they've been doing better uh their 10th now in the west which qualifies for the play-in they would still have to advance to the play-in to the playoffs for us to get that pick and they seem like you know they might be headed for a rebuild anyway so it might be best like just go ahead and get rid of that pick yeah and maybe you know pass it on to a team that's not making that's not really um, looking at Portland's situation. <laughs> Portland is one of those tricky situations because it's like, okay, we have um, McCullum who came back from the injury. Then they could also say Lillard, he's injured. He's out an extended amount of time, but I don't think that there's anything going on with him as far as him being out for the rest of the year. Um and then, like, okay, the, the biggest tradable asset would be to get rid of Lillard. But if he's injured and you're a team that's trying to, Playoff team trying to get better, are you going to trade for Lillard if he misses most of the year? I don't know. And see, it, if they have those other guys on that team, they, they have some guys on there who are still fairly good. McCullum's really good. Um they have a not a rookie. I think it's a second-year guard uh, Simmons, who's pretty good. Um, you got um, I think it's Yusuf Nurkic. Is that his name? Yep. The center slash powerful. I don't know what position he plays because it's kind of interchangeable, but he's a still you know a fairly good, decent player. So. With especially with what's going on and going on in the West, it's like so many teams could possibly make that play in tournament. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I said, I I get all trust in you know AK to <laughs> figure something out. Um, you know the the Pacers are pretty much. A dumpster sale right now. <laughs> yeah, they are. Maybe, maybe get somebody like um, Tory Craig. Maybe we can get him for something real slight. What position does he play? I'm not familiar with his. Uh, he's a uh, he's a power forward. He's a power forward. Okay. Because like at the end of the day, I still feel like this team has like. They want to, like, with their first-round draft pick, I'm sure they're going to want to see what they have in their first-round draft pick with putting all of And you you know that over the summer, uh, P. Will, he's getting a lot of praise from just about everybody who was uh, being interviewed with that uh, Olympic team when he had his chance to go. Team. Uh, coaches and players were praising his ability, his work ethic, the fact of how young he is, you know, the ability to just, um, you know, um, 
catch things on the fly. So I don't know if, how willing they're going to be to just be like, okay, let's package and Kobe for Jeremy Grant. Um, which, you know, I've heard that trade bounced around several different times. And I'm like, okay, Jeremy Grant, he puts up a lot of points on a really bad team. <laughs> and he you're paying a lot of money for him. And you're going to have to pay some other players' contracts coming down the line. Does it really make a whole lot of sense to send Williams away for that? Um, I don't know. No. <laughs> but I was happy that they were actually able to hit on Ao. Ao. <laughs> Yeah, let's go <laughs> to talk about yeah, who sits. <laughs> You've been dying for to do that. <laughs> the yeah, steal, I mean, obviously, of the giraffe. Yes. Because, um, like, when you think about, like, the guys who you knew, were, like, I said this before, uh, when we were talking over the summer, before the summer even, I said the, the the player that I thought had a chance to provide the most impact that I knew the Bulls had no shot of give, getting was uh, Mobley out of uh, USC. I said from the beginning, I thought that guy was the best player in the draft. Um, I'm not following much of a whole lot of other people's games except for Mobley, Giddy, and uh, aside from Ao. But I said from the beginning, I thought that that guy is kind of a game changer if he um, grows into his body over the next couple of years. You see what he's doing. Which he's been phenomenal. But um, I don't think anybody saw, even as great as Acme has been, I don't think that they even saw AO being as good as he is right now. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, like I said, he he went in the second round, <laughs> and I think a lot of people, a lot of teams would do that over if they had the chance. Yes. At the beginning of the year, you still had people who were complaining that the Bulls didn't draft Sharif Cooper, and I don't even know if he's played any minutes for the Atlanta Hawks this year. That slight point guard—I forget where he came out of, but. You know, um, you had a lot of people who were like, oh, they should have taken this guy. He, God, he's up. you know, amazing playmaker for his teammates. And I was like, ah, you know, I don't know how much from a defensive standpoint he would be able to make an impact on this Bulls team. But, um, yeah, en- enough great things can't be said about what the sumo has been doing this year. Yeah, um, <laughs> a lot of people have, you know, been ready to trade away Kobe because we have Ayo. Like, but we had Ayo. Ayo, he can score. He's better defensively. <laughs> what do we need Kobe for? And I'm just sitting there like, but we have them both. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they could play together, but all right. <laughs> yeah, like, why are we trying to get rid of them if? Kobe isn't even injury free from what happened last year. Why are we trying to just 
automatically not have both of them if we can have both of them. Um, and we see, like, what was the record that he set? There was some kind of record that he set. Um, he was, what, the first uh, go nine and nine during a half, I think, is what you're referring to? Yeah, I think so. But there, there was something else Io did, and I'm trying to like, I, I was like mulling it as we were, um, you know, getting ready to to start today's show. What was it? Yeah, something about him setting. A, he was like a rookie record. Um, let me see here. Yeah, by Orlando Woolridge. Um, yep. Of uh, the number of, of points that were scored, but or a number of shots that were made in a row, but like that was just like oh, the story. It was like the impact that he had on that game. Uh, 24 points, eight assists, and five rebounds. Um, and I, I looked back at the game, and I was like, I kept talking to you about the fact that he's not missing. Why are the Bulls having other people <laughs> shoot if this guy hasn't missed yet? Yeah, um, as a starter, you know, this season, he's averaging 13 points, uh, five rebounds, six assists, a steal, and he's shooting like 75%, <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah, that's ridiculous. For any length of time to be sitting that over like just at any point is just pretty ridiculous for a rookie to be doing. The uh, uh, 38th overall pick rookie. <laughs> yeah. So like it's it's been a, um, a blessing, really, because when you think about with Caruso out and with um, ball out, who have been the Bulls? all like on ball defenders that they've been able to throw at people they're undersized who has been able to pick up the slack in that and you're seeing like how impactful this pick was because you can put ao out there and i'm not saying that he's completely shutting guys down when he's guarding them he, he's making them work um fighting over screens that's something that people didn't seem to actually grasp the concept of that until Caruso and Ball got here. It was like, you know, if you got screen, you were just completely out of the play. Um, <laughs> you know, that's something that we noticed for like the past, what, four years? Yeah. Of players who have been here. Oh, a screen's coming? Oh, gosh. Oh, the play just completely breaks down. But um, with this guy, like he fights over screens like a veteran. Um, him being able to pull other players back who are about to get a technical foul. DeMar DeRozan um, and hold them and keep them in check. You know, he plays, he doesn't play like a rookie. He plays like a somebody who's confident, confident in his abilities and confident in the aspect of just getting better. Um, we saw that move that um, it was something that Bradley Beal um, had told him that he hesitated. And um, if he would have just kept going with his play, and he would have been able to break him down off the dribble. And the next play around, what does DeSumo do? 
he follows the same exact thing that Bradley Bill men- Bradley Bill mentioned to him. And Bradley Bill was saying, I didn't mean to do it on me, but you know, um, the, the kid, he's a, a very quick learner. I say kid, he's 21 years old, which is much younger than you're seeing a lot of these rookies play at, or a lot older, I should say, than what these rookies are playing at nowadays. But um, you've seen him just put up these pretty good games against the likes of um, other guys who were drafted before him. Like, just completely took out uh, Cade Cunningham out of his game. Um, Josh Giddy out of his game. Uh, you see that when uh, they were playing against the Atlanta Hawks, even though the Atlanta Hawks beat them in this game, I'm pretty sure, there was like a tremendous difference that took place when uh, the sumo was on uh, Trey Young versus when Kobe White was on Trey Young. So, you know, I love the fact that he's put his foot, his um, his footprint on this team, his stamp, I, sh- I should say on the team and it hasn't just come with scoring it's come on the defensive aspect as well yeah we we won that game against hawks we did i'm sorry we yeah. just admired <laughs> any different losing streaks it's kind of hard to keep track of i mean that was part of the nine game win streak was that part of it okay i knew something changed like because I, I i remember like kobe was just getting roasted that game yeah <laughs> And then, you know, I just remember like um, the sumo getting on him and like Trey Young struggled the rest of the game. I just remembered the impact that he had on the game. Yeah, we beat them 131 to 117. <laughs> wow, I should have remembered that. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the NBA, um, their updated rookie of the year ladder, Io is number eight currently. Number eight? Yep, that's it. I mean, yeah, uh, I'm not. I I think he'd be higher, you know, if he played more minutes. But you know, since he's recently started, he has the opportunity to climb up that ladder. Number eight. Okay, I'm thinking of like Giddy, and I'm thinking of Mobley. Um, Mobley's one. Cunningham's two. Cunningham. Okay. Uh, Scotty Barnes is three. Giddy's four. Wagner is five. Herbert Jones is six and Chris Dirt is seven. Oh, Wagner, punk. Uh, <laughs> I hold grudges. What can I say? Like, you know, when you're on a team that's won nine games and a veteran is trying to pull you aside to tell you what, how you should act, I think you listen to that veteran, especially if that veteran is scorching you the entire night. Like, yeah. you know find a way to to respond to words of wisdom so hopefully he looks at that and and he understands hey um we're we've won nine games this year so far um so yeah just chill out i I would just say um wagner best believe that that game in chicago (laughs) that you have to play is circled on the bulls calendar yes yes and I, for one, can't wait until the next time that they see each other. Yeah, um, oh, let, let's get back to uh, the the people. I, I forget. It's a trade rumor that was going around that said um, the Bulls are trying to get Jeremy Grant 
with trying to figure out a way how not to give up Patrick Williams in the trade. And I just don't think there's any truth to that rumor at all because there's been a report that Jeremy Grant wants to be like the focal point of the offense. And after next year, he's looking for like a $112 million extension. Yeah. See, the the whole entire thing doesn't make any sense to me because of what he was given to come to Detroit in the first place and the fact that he's a number one on that team. And I'm not saying a number one, just on that team. He's a number one. Um, and the fact that he's probably not going to last as being the number one because they pretty much have been running things through Cade Cunningham since he's been injured. Um so yeah, I I don't like with what the, the Bulls would have to give up and the contract that they have to take on and adding to that contract to make it actually worthwhile in trading for him in the first place. I don't see that I don't see that working well. Yeah, I mean, he left the Nuggets and you know, he was like what third option behind Jokic and Murray. And the Nuggets are a good team. He left them to go to Detroit to be the number one option. I don't see him wanting to come to Chicago and be behind Zach and DeMar and probably Vooch. Well, you know, I look at that situation um, with with him, and I think looking back on it, I think – He's probably looking at the fact of, hey, they gave uh, Michael Porter all of this money. And that dude, like, I mean, I, I wish you well if you can predict <laughs> he was going to stay healthy. Like, I, I didn't understand that move to save my life. Like, why would you invest that much capital in a guy who, like, he had back concerns coming in and missed how many years did he miss? Like, was it just his first year? Or I think was it was just his first. His first year? And then, you know, he had things. It was, he was coming back in the form. But have you ever looked at Michael Porter, like, in any of his games in Denver? Um, No, not really. Um, I will tell you, and I noticed this even before the back injury occurred. Lateral quickness, not that great. Um, ability to guard other players, not that great. So, you know, and you look at that Denver team, the only person they really had who was guarding people on that team, you had, um, you had pretty much had Jeremy Grant and you had like a couple other players, but like no one on that team really guards anybody. Um, so it, it was kind of questionable to me that they were like invested so much in Michael Porter and didn't, find ways to do that with Denver. Denver is good when they have Jamal Murray with them, but you know, that Denver team, the Denver team this year is pretty lacking. You get past Jokic and it's like, uh, who else is going to score the ball here? Like Jokic has to like score. He has to rebound. He has to assist on certain plays and timeouts. He's up in the stand selling popcorn. Like, you know, I, they call on him to do a whole lot just because there's not a lot of guys who can also do much, if at all, by themselves, too. So, 
you know, they're a good team with Murray there, but right now they're, they're, I think they're hovering like above 500. Um, they are 25 and 21. They're six in the West. Okay. 25 and 21. I mean, you know, that's kind of eh. So, you know, we'll see with that. I understand, you know, if, if Jeremy Grant had an opportunity to get more money, get more playing time, get more exposure, then yeah, you do that. But like, like, like we were talking about, he's going to be at best the fourth option on the Bulls team at best because he's not getting more shots than the Levine and DeRozan and having Vooch in the post is a big part of their offense too. So yeah, I don't yeah. see how that fits. Yeah. Then no double button move. He will to the bench and yeah, not happy. like slow his development. <laughs> this, this, this doesn't make any sense. Especially yeah. then, you know, is you got to pay Zach in the off season. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't, I don't see how that would match up. You know, I'm, I'm sure people are going to lose their mind over this. Um, <laughs> Zach was doing an interview with Draymond Green and says, you know, he he's excited to be a free agent, and, but right for right now, Chicago is his home. I know some people are looking like, what does he mean? Right now, and why is he excited? He's not going anywhere. <laughs> no, <laughs> the Bulls are going to give him a max contract. He's not going anywhere. Okay, but plus, also, where is he going to go? <laughs> he's he's like one A, one B on this team, and you see the amount. Like this is probably outside of the um, Olympic team, and you know, I'll even throw this Bulls team up against a lot of the players who were on the Olympic team. The way it's put together properly with guys having a central role and guys who can defend and guys who can pass, I'm not saying that this Bulls team is like better than the players that were collectively put together on the Olympics. Make sure that no one gets that mixed up. However, as this team is put together with the parts fitting the way they are, this probably is the best team that Zach has played with. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah, that's definitely fair to say. Um, he, he's even um, said that, you know, this is the most fun he's had playing basketball. Yeah, so, you know, he loves the coach that he's with. They, they have a very good relationship. I don't know anybody um, on this team who's had anything bad to say about uh, Coach Donovan or the, the front office. Um, so when you have that, when you have all of that up in the city, city of Chicago, Chicago, and you all, know, like everybody knows that playing in places like Chicago or New York, and even though New York, the Knicks are terrible, playing in places <laughs> like that, LA, where if you have that fan backing, it's not like anything else you are going to be around. Or, and I'll even say Toronto, because if you're in Toronto, then you have a whole entire country backing you <laughs> for the most part. 
Um, but it's not like anything else that you're going to be around. Where else is he going to go that's going to have that? He's going to have that collection of players. Nowhere. So, you know, Zach's not going anywhere. Right. Uh, you know, the Laker fans are going to be like, oh, he's coming. To the yeah, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he, he's not coming to play with um, 30, what, 39 year old <laughs> and Mr. Glass. Um, Anthony Street Clothes Davis. <laughs> Street Clothes. That's good. I like that. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he's not going to. <laughs> you don't read too much into that comment. No, I'm that, not. That that's, that's just a, uh, I, I want a max contract. <laughs> wink, wink, hint, hint type of comment. Yeah, that's just like, hey, you know, Remember me? I know you had this ninety, sh- this nice shiny new toy with uh, Demar, but you know, remember who stuck with you during those lean years. Remember who you put faith in, and and you know, Lamar- Demar has been great, but if Zach is not there to do what he does, to be able to make really hard, contested, sometimes even bad shots fall. You need a guy like that who not only just doesn't care, because that's that's J.R. Smith. I don't care. <laughs> I'm just going to throw it up. Doesn't care. And who is like lights out with his ability. Because there's there's like you can say whatever you want to about DeMar. Not DeMar, but with um, Levine. Just go and look at his stats. People are like, oh, you know, I don't know if he can be like a number one. Look at his stats. Okay, like there's not a lot of people stats wise offensively who are capable of doing what he's able to do. No, there's there's not. <laughs> I mean, considering the fact of like at the beginning of the year with the numbers that he was put up that he had put up with um, with the injury, we were like, oh, Zach seems to be slumping. <laughs> I mean, so imagine that like with the numbers that he put up during the injury and everything with his thumb, we were like, oh, he really needs to get some time off to rest that thumb. And the, the numbers were still phenomenal. So, you know. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you really couldn't call it a slump just because his numbers were like better than everybody else did. I know, that's the sad thing. That's how incredible, he, you know, just crazy skill-wise that he is. Even, like, when he came back, it didn't have, like, that great of a, a shooting night. What was his first game back? Um, was that was that against Oklahoma City? Yeah, it was against Oklahoma. And, you know, it was, like, he didn't have that great of a shooting night, but it was still, like, I think close to, like, 47 48%, which is much higher than the majority of the league. So, you know, whatever. Yeah, he, he shot, what, 6 of 19? Was it 6 of 19? Was it that bad? But see, yes. that's like, that's like you know, on par for a lot of players around the, the league. You know, it's not at all. Nothing for you. You look around the league and it's like guys are regularly shooting 40% or below. So that was a bad, that was a bad example to use, but. You know, just in general, like Zach's off nights are like 
light years ahead of just about everyone in the league. Um, <laughs> most definitely. Um, I want to say when he got to the free throw line, I think a lot that game. Um, is it? He shot eight for ten from the line. So, you know, he his first game back um, after like missing five, he still gave you twenty three points, seven rebounds, and seven assists. Yeah, a block and two steals, and he got to the line. He was eight to ten from the line, so really not concerned about his shot being a little bit off. I mean, you know, some rest would be expected, and he didn't have Demar out there, so you know, most of the defenders were going after Zach. Yeah, I don't, I don't worry about what Zach is doing. Like some of his like decision making just coming back has it's like, okay, what was that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just coughing the ball up or, you know, just in general, those are some issues that I, you know, was like, okay, that needs to get worked out, but it's not anything like just like, you know, you're having to like break glass because <laughs> there's an emergency that's going on. Um, so you know, I, I, Zach will be fine. That's like the least of the, the Bulls' worries. But he's not going anywhere. For anybody who's thinking that, like, he's, like, contemplating going someplace, like, to where? Any place in the, any place in the East, a better situation than what he has here? No. No. And out West, you know, you, you'd be going down by a lot by going to any other place in the West, either because the city is not as great, fans are not as great, or the team just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the crazy thing here is, you know, we, we've had all these injuries, um, had the most but COVID cases in the league. We're still second seed in the East. Yes. That's um, why I'm like, people People need to slow down. You're second seed in the East, and you still have DeMar, you have Zach, and you have Vooch. That's still a pretty good team. Right. <laughs> no, we're only a half a game back for the first place. Yes. And Durant is hurt, isn't he? Uh, yeah, Durant's hurt, and Irving is a part-time player. He's a part-time <laughs> but, player. No, but they're not number one. They're oh, behind us. One? Miami. Oh, Miami. See, now, that's the one team that I've said for years worries me a little bit because they just have this ability to find different guys who can fill in any role that they need them to fit into. I don't know how they do it. It's like a credit to their developmental um, coaching staff, but like they got that seven foot center who just came out of nowhere. I think his name is Yurt Seven. Um, he's been phenomenal when he started um, without Bam Adebayo there. And I know this stuff because Miami is close to where I'm at. Um, he's been phenomenal. Um, you've had Butler missing a good amount of games this entire year 
And the guys that they brought in have been very good. Strauss, who was on this team last year um, from the G League, is over there and putting up pretty solid numbers. That is the one team that because of their because of like the players that they have, the mentality and the coaching staff, not saying that they're better than us, but it does bother me a little bit because they just have this gritty grinded out mentality and a lot of vets on that team and they know how to win ugly. So, and for some reason, like Duncan Robinson seems to own the Chicago Bulls. I, I, I can't put my finger on why that is the case. So, yeah, that's the one team in the East that I'm like, um, bothers me. That's bother- bothers me more than the Bucks. Is that Miami Heat team? Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Um, it's Pat Riley's culture, the Heat culture, is like that's a real thing. <laughs> yes. Uh, like you said, like even with Jimmy being out and Bam being out, they were still winning games. Yes. Lowry has missed games. Yeah, and they've and had like putting in solid numbers in, in his place. I don't know where they find these guys, what they're but it just seems like they just have guy after guy after guy who's just ready to step up. It's like they're running like, you know, an Alabama type of uh founding football. Like, it doesn't matter. Oh, we lost a, a, a five-star player. We got another guy just, you know, just lining up. So, I don't I don't know. Yeah. Um, let's see. The Heat are 30 and 17. The Bulls are 29 and 17. Both have games tonight. Um, we play the Raptors. Um, even, you know, I, the – I think we will win that game. I don't think there's going to be a change in the standing because the Heat play the Knicks. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> like, I don't think they're losing to the Knicks at all. Uh, so it'll still probably be a half game back tonight. Still plenty of time. That's one of those teams, like, it, it comes down to matchups because the Heat run, you know, a pretty like grinded out type of offense and defense. And that plays right into what Tibbs likes to do also, you know, just we're going to, you know, take it slow. We're just going to try to beat you down low. We're going to foul you every single time and like force the, the officials to call fouls, you know, that, that, New York Tibbs thing to do. Um, just the matchups with that. That's not necessarily like I, I would favor the Heat in that. I wouldn't necessarily say that it's a gimme. So this this could be a chance for the Bulls to, you know, to get a little bit closer. That Toronto team, I forgot about that Toronto team. And the only thing about that Toronto team that bothers me when going up against uh, this Bulls team, they got a lot of athletic forwards on that team. Scotty Barnes, uh, Pasca, um, uh, Siakam. Um, I think they got this guy, uh, Boucher, also off the bench. Um, they get you know, get up and down the, the floor and run too. 
So, yeah. well, um, Scotty Barnes and Fred Van Fleet are both questionable for tonight. Well, that's good. They didn't play last night. Um, Toronto's on the back to back. So, who knows if they play? They might be tired. Who knows? So. Yep. I mean, this will be the first time in you know a few games that we have both Zach and Demar. Yes. So looking forward to that game tonight. And who will we play the rest of the week? Uh, we have the Raptors tonight, and then we have the Spurs, and then Portland. Yeah, see, that's another thing with what the Bulls are doing during this stretch. They're not playing anybody like that. You know, they're they're playing a bunch of teams who are below five hundred. So, you know, and who have had guys in and out of the line. That's first team has had a lot of guys in and out of the lineup for um, just injuries or just like COVID related issues. So, you know, it's not, they're not gimme games, but they're games that the Bulls are certainly capable of, of winning, even with them being shorthanded. Yeah. Um, I think we, yeah, we have a pretty good stretch of games where we're, um, not playing anybody over five hundred. Think this is like our easy stretch of the uh, the season. Yeah. So I mean, you think about it. This was if the Bulls were going to have injuries, this is the time to be having them. Yeah. Um, and you, if you think about it, if we can stay where we're at, if like we can go five hundred during this stretch, and just pretty much be even. Um, it's a good chance you're still sitting in the same place as you were before. Yeah, we've got Toronto tonight, uh, San Antonio Friday, and Portland Sunday. Then we have the Magic again. Yes. <laughs> and then we see Toronto and Indiana back-to-back. Now, When's the trade deadline? The deadline is the tenth. Um, then that week we get we have and Phoenix back to back. Yeah. <laughs> day off, and we play Charlotte the day before the deadline, and Minnesota the day after on a back to back with OKC. Okay. I'm still trying to understand why. OKC gives this team such trouble. I haven't put my finger around. Like all I can say is like they're a tough team, um, but they're not that great at hitting threes. So I don't know why they give us such a hard time. Oh, uh, because they they started. Uh, they went small and they started trapping like everything and. No, Io I and Kobe really haven't dealt with the trap like that. So, I think that played a part into it. Another part 
that I think played into it is we were up 28. And we're like, this game's over. <laughs> yeah. And then just let them creep back in. Yeah. I mean, if DeMar was out there, I, I don't think they would ever <laughs> get that close to coming back. That's right. DeMar wasn't even playing. Yeah. What am I thinking? Zach's first game back and DeMar set out, so... So it probably should have been like a 10-point win anyway. All things considered. So, uh, yeah, it's not as dire as many people want you to believe, which is why you can't believe everything that goes on in the media. You just have to use your senses. <laughs> Man. <laughs> I've, I've seen some pretty... <laughs> Wow, things thrown out there. Let's get uh John Collins. Well, <laughs> he makes a lot of money <laughs> and doesn't play defense. And he's a number two option that hasn't been doing very well in the number two. So are you gonna pay him a whole bunch of money to be the number four? Right. That makes sense. Like the only trades that make sense are okay. If Phoenix is like, we can't do anything with DeAndre Ayton, we don't think that we'll match his con. Like they're like, hey, Wolves, do you want to trade? I might be interested in something like that. Or if they just lost their mind and was like, Hey, you know, this thing with Joel Embiid is not working. <laughs> <laughs> but is that coming up? Is that happening? No. Yeah. I'm saying, um, you know, people want to trade for PJ Washington from Charlotte. Yeah, what's what's the last thing that PJ Washington has been doing? <laughs> uh and again, Charlotte's trying to get yeah. to the playoffs. Are they really going to be trying to take on some guys who are not helping them win anything or taking on something for an extra draft pick? Like, you know, I, don't, I think people are not understanding. Like, these trades have to make sense for both teams. Usually. It, it wasn't the case for uh, Lonzo Ball and us getting him, but. Usually the trades have to make sense for both teams. Right. Uh, yeah, like we'll see what AK pulls off. Yep. Yeah, I think that's going to do it for us this time. Uh, Justin, you want to tell them where they can follow you? Um, at He Said What Sports. And you can follow me at Young Jordan. Uh, you can follow the podcast Twitter at Bull N O T H I N. And until the next time, go Bulls. Go Bulls. Tennis game over. The horn blows. Oh.